just about said Paul Bunyan. But Paul Bunyan was a little tall tale. He wasn't. He didn't write any tall tales. Uh, a man named John Bunyan, uh, while he was in uh, behind bars, wrote a book called Pilgrim's Progress. Anybody read it or seen the movie? Uh, if, if you've not seen it, if you've not read it, I encourage you to read it. Um, I remember reading it as a as a, as a young person. I remember seeing uh, a movie about it. Uh, uh, but it's 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 it really is a Christian life in in uh, in story form. Uh, it follows a young ma- a man named Pilgrim who who leaves the city of destruction and and begins following the path uh, that, that he he's being drawn towards and and it's a picture of God drawing us to him and uh, and he comes to the point uh, uh, where he comes to the cross and he drops all of his burdens. Uh, and on his path, uh, on his way to the celestial city, the, uh, uh, the, his, his final destination, uh, he runs into many different trials. He runs into the depths of despair. He runs into different characters on his way. Some uh, are, are traveling along with him. Others uh, are trying to distract him or pull him off the path. And, and, and There's a, all, a whole litany or, or host of, uh, of, of things that would distract him and 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 get him off course and there are times when he got off course and then would get back on course and times when he would get caught up in certain things and uh, but an uh, interesting story and again I, I encourage you to go back and read it uh, our, our text today we find in the book of colossians chapter 2 colossians chapter 2 uh, this morning we looked at uh at the, the great salvation that god has given to us and man it's important for us to 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 not let that go uh, to to not let that drift and as for, if we're saved to not miss it altogether if we're if we're not if we're not saved to miss it altogether to if we are saved to to uh, to let the work of God kind of dwindle in our life and today I'd like to talk about a couple of things uh, that, that I believe we can find here in Scripture that that will help us to to learn to be stable in our Christian life. Uh, to not get distracted, to not get uh, knocked off course. Paul, in Acts chapter 20, speaking to the Ephesians, uh, he's speaking of many of the things that he faced in his, in, the, in his life, in his Christian life, in his ministry. He said to them, he said, none of these things moved me. Uh, uh, he was talking about the persecution and the, the trouble that he faced and, and, and the different things in his life. And, and if you look back at Paul's life, Paul went through a lot uh, after he got saved. Uh, things may have been easy for him before he got saved, but after he got saved, he was persecuted. He was stoned nearly to death. He was arrested. He was falsely accused. He was lied about. He, uh, he had a lot of things happen. Uh, and there was a lot of work. He had people that worked alongside of him that left and walked away from the faith. Uh, uh, having loved this present world, he said, the demons hath forsaken me. Uh, uh, John Mark served alongside of him and left them in the lurch while they were on a missions trip and went back home. And, and uh, the next time around, uh, Silas wanted to bring John Mark again, or Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark again. And, and Paul said, absolutely not. I'm not going to do it because he'd been hurt before and, and uh, had seen the, the difficulties and faced those difficulties. There's a need for stability in our life. There is a need for us not to be pulled away. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at verses 6 and 7 here. I need to finish turning there. I start talking and I stop flipping. Colossians chapter 2 says, says this in verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. 
rooted and built up in him, established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Uh, Paul here is speaking to the, to the, to the church at Colossae, and he's, he's instructing them. He said, listen, as you received Christ, as you gotten saved, walk in him. Let Christ walk in you, and we'll, we'll get into more of this in a moment. But he says, in doing that, be rooted and built up in him. Our life is to be built on Jesus Christ, not on a church, and not on a pastor, and not on a man or fellow laborers or fellow, or fellow friends. Listen, those th- people fail us. Institutions fail us. Friends fail us. But God never fails us. And Christ never fails us. We're to be rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, as he, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Now, Proverbs 12.3, you don't have to turn there, but you can write it down if you'd like. Proverbs 12.3 says this, A man shall not be established by wickedness. But the root of the righteous shall not be moved. That, that, that word established means to be stable or to, to have stability. It's important for us to, uh, the idea of stability is, uh, is one who's, who is rooted or unmovable. Uh, they, 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 they're not wavering. They're not waffling. They're not, they're not flopping. They're not being distracted. They're not being pulled away. They're not being slowed down. Uh, they, 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 are, uh, they are established in what they're doing. Uh, notice that there in verse 7, it says, or verse, verse uh, 60, he said, receive Christ, as you have therefore received the Lord Jesus Christ. We're to, to be stable, established, uh, built up in him. Just like we've placed our faith in Christ, and, and listen, uh, our salvation is stable, amen? So should our life be. Your, your, your salvation doesn't come and go, Right? Your, uh, uh, your, your salvation, uh, uh, I am so thankful that I'm not saved because I feel like it. I, I feel like I'm saved. Because there are days when I feel like I'm saved, and then there are days when I feel like, why would God save me? Right? Uh, there are days when, when, when I, I, I feel like, uh, when, when, and listen, it's not based upon our feelings. It's not based upon our wants. It's not, it's not based upon the, the, the thoughts of other people about us. Amen. Our salvation is established. It's firmly established in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And as our, as our salvation is established in Christ, so should our lives be. Notice it says in verse 7, rooted and bound up in him. Root, sorry, rooted and built up in him. Our life is to be built upon that. It, in order to be stable, it's imperative that first, obviously, we be saved. An unstable person or an unsaved person can never be a stable person. You cannot be a Christian without being saved in Christ. You can't be built up in Christ. Our, our churches, sadly, uh, at, uh, all across our country, there are, are people that claim salvation that are not saved. James Moffat says this, said this, Within every congregation, there is a small nucleus of people who believe, and they are surrounded by a much larger group who believe that they believe. Now, I, I, I am not one to tell anybody whether or not they're saved. I cannot see people's heart. But I see, the, I see this truth all over our country where people will say, I, 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 I'm saved, and they know that they believe, and they know that they're saved. And then you see people that waffle back. And I'm not saying that person isn't saved. I'm not their judge. The Word of God is the, God is their judge. God is the one who speaks to them. Uh, but uh, it also, R.A. Torrey said this, uh, back in, in 1928, uh, uh, he was a Bible teacher and educator. Uh, he taught Bible conferences. In fact, he was the, the assistant pastor of D.L. Moody. Uh, uh, he uh, was an editor of the, of 
the fundamentals of one of the most prominent evangelists of his heyday, and he said that back then he believed that only 10% of those people who professed to be Christians were actually saved. Dr. J. Harold Smith, uh, a well-known Baptist preacher, said 75% of people that attend church won't make it to heaven. Now, those are all people. One, those are all men's understandings or men's opinions. Uh, they can't see into the heart of anybody, just like I can't see into the heart of anybody. But what, but what they see is, is many times is, is, is people who profess to believe, but there's no, there is little outworking of what's supposed to be an inner working of their life, right? Salvation is an inner working of God in their heart. But the inner working of our heart will always work on its way outward, will it not? If you say you're saved, but God never, there's never a change in your life, and there's not a, you, you, you don't change your mind about sin, and you don't change your mind about, the, there's a problem. And, and again, I'm not anybody's judge. I'm not going to sit here and tell somebody they're saying, I don't know. In fact, if somebody comes up and asks me this, and I've had this, I've had this question, uh, uh, do you think I'm saved? I don't know. Read First John and pray and ask God to tell you. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, we went to this last uh, youth conference, and, and that was what the, 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 they were doing. Uh, uh, they, the, uh, the brother uh, Nick, Nick White is a pastor down in New Hampshire. Uh, he was their, their speaker there, and, and, and he preached a message on a lot of young people just don't, they don't know for sure. And he said, if you're not sure, and several people came to him during that, at the end of that service, and he said the exact same thing I do. Read First John, pray about it, and let the Lord show you I can't tell you if you're saved or not. And that's, that's true. It's got to be the Word of God that, that shows us whether or not we're saved or not. And, and, but but the, the, the thing is, the fear is, is that there are going to be many, many on that day, this is what Jesus said, that said, I did all these things in your name. And what does the Bible say Jesus' response is that? Depart from me, for I never knew you. So uh, the, the, the worry and the, the fear is that, that because we're not rooted and grounded in our faith, we're always wavering and we're not sure. And as a child of God, we don't lose our salvation, but we can certainly make our salvation steadfast, our understanding of it, our, uh, our no. It says, it says that we're rooted in Christ, rooted and built up in him. John chapter 15 uh, says this, uh, 1 and 2 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, take, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch, branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, and ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered, and men gather them, and they cast them into the fire, and they are burned. There is a necessary requirement for those that in that in that." Uh, picture that Jesus is speaking. There were branches that were not in him, and there were branches that are in him. He says, those that aren't in me are gathered and cast out. He's not talking about those that are not in church. He's not talking about those that uh, are not in fellow. He's saying those that are not rooted in me. Uh, the, the idea is of, 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 a, of, a, of, a, of a vine with a branch growing out the side of it. It gets all of its sustenance, all of its strength, all of its, uh, all of its ability to bear fruit all comes from the vine. Jesus Christ is the vine, and you and I are the branches. If we're going to have a fruitful, uh, stable Christian life, we need to be abiding in the vine. Psalms 1 says this in verse 2 and 3, But his light is in the law of the Lord, and in, and in his law doth he meditate day and night, and he shall be like a tree 
planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in a season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. There needs to be a root in Christ. Here it's rooted in the word of God. Roots are a requirement for stability. Have you ever seen a tree that didn't have deep roots? Or uh, 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 I watched a video of a, it was a guy who was, he was trying to pull up these roots and uh, pull up these stumps that were in his yard that, that he was trying to clear. And he was going down and he was cutting the roots to pull up the stump because otherwise uh, he would never get them up. Uh, he's, he was hooking vehicles to them. Why? Because that root gives them stability. We need to receive Christ. We need to be rooted in Christ, and we need to respond to Christ. It says, so walk ye in him as ye have been taught there in Colossians chapter 2. The disciples walked with Christ. Man, I wish I could have been there. To, 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 hear, uh, to hear him speak, to see the miracles. Man, I'm so jealous of John. Uh, uh, listen, uh, when, when you look at Christ and the disciples, there were 12 that walked with him. There were three that were closer than all the others, right? Peter, James, and John. There were places that they got to go that, that the rest of them didn't. They were there, uh, they were there when, uh, uh, when, uh, at the transfiguration of Christ, when uh, his, uh, he was glorified there on the mountain. Uh, they were there, and they saw that. Man, Peter couldn't keep his mouth shut because Peter could never keep his mouth shut, right? Uh, but he got to be there. And, and they were there when, when Christ went to pray in Gethsemane. Uh, he took Peter, James, and John a little farther into the, into the garden to pray with them, and they fell asleep because, well, they were tired, and, and the, 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 while the spirit was willing, the flesh was weak, is what he said. Uh, and, and I would have been right. I, I, I'm jealous of that. But, but even but, uh, they were closer, uh, those three were closer to Jesus than, than all the rest. But out of those three, there was one who was closest, and that was John. It's, in the book of John, he, re, he refers to himself as the one whom Jesus loved. He never uses his name. It was, it was John who, at the, at, at the, the Last Supper, was leaning upon the, upon the, chest, the breast of Christ. Uh, uh, can you imagine sitting around the table? And listen, it's one thing to sit around the table, right, and, and, and feast with the Lord. It's another to be leaned up against him, right? And, and, but, but because he was closer to, to, to the Lord than anybody else, he also got to be in some of the hardest places. He was the one disciple that was standing at the foot of the cross. I can't imagine how, much, how difficult that was for, for him, having loved Christ so much and, and, and followed him to the cross and seen the suffering that he had to go through. But he was also given a responsibility that no other disciple was given. Uh, I'm jealous of that. But listen, he, they walked with Christ. John leaned on his breast, but he lives in our hearts. You have something that John didn't have until after, until after the resurrection and the coming of the Comforter. We have the Holy Spirit of God lives in us. Paul, I already said it, uh, said it earlier, Galatians 2.20, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet, yet uh, not I, but Christ liveth in me. It says we're to be abounding in our life. Is our life abounding? What does it mean to abound? It means to have an overabundance. Now, it's not saying an overabundance of money. I wish it was. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have money. I don't. Have, with more money comes more problems and more stress. I don't. Don't get me wrong. It'd be nice if I had a little extra cash, but guess what? I don't need cash. What I need is Christ in me. And I listen. I'm not going to get any more Christ in me. God's in me. I'm saved, and praise the Lord for that. I can let Him have more of me, though, right? I I, I can be abounding in the fruit of the Spirit. 
as I let the Holy Spirit work its way through me. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, allowing God to work through me and, and strengthen me and, and help me because, well, I need help. 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says this. Uh, at the end of uh, th- that chapter, it says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain. The definition of the word unmovable means not to be moved from its place. Unmoved. Firmly persistent. We are to remain firmly persistent, uh, unmovable in our faith. There should be nothing that can cause us to waver. Uh, In the book of Galatians, Paul writes to the Galatians uh, that he wonders how they could be so quickly moved uh, away from the gospel. There are downsides to being unstable. It's not a good thing, according to the Word of God. In the book of Genesis, chapter 49, you can go ahead and turn there if you, if you don't mind. We won't read, we'll only read one verse. But in, in the book of Genesis 49, uh, we see Jacob, and he's giving his assessment of his son Reuben. Now, Reuben is his firstborn. Reuben is, uh, is, is a, a, a son that he loves. He's declared uh, my firstborn, my might, the beginning of my strength, the excellency of dignity and the excellency of power. But, but, but then Jacob says something different. He, he kind of turns, although he said all of those good things about, about his, his son Reuben, uh, he says this as well in verse 4. Unstable as water, thou shalt not excel, because thou wentest up to thy father's bed, then defilest thou it. He went up to the, my couch. Jacob cursed his son because of, of a moral lapse in character. What happened? Uh, uh, Reuben went into his father's concubine and lay with her. A terrible moral lapse in character. All that he had done and all that he was before that, uh, uh, he, he praised. He says, you're my firstborn, my strength. Uh, but, when, but after that, there in verse 4, he says, unstable as water. Thou shall not excel. Why? Because he didn't trust his son. While he loved his son, he never, didn't, didn't change his love for him. There was, uh, because he was unstable in his moral character, uh, uh, he says, you're not going to excel. You're not going to move forward. Listen, we're not going to excel in our Christian life if we're not going to be stable in our Christian walk. If we're not going to be established in the faith. Water, uh, what does it mean to be unstable as water? If you think about it, uh, the, the stability of the temperature of the water is always inf- affected by its environment. Right? Uh, if, it's in, if you set it out in the cold, it doesn't stay. This winter, you'll all see. Your steps will get icy, right? Uh, uh, the temperature affects it. You stick it in somewhere hot, and it, it will begin to evaporate. It'll, it'll melt. Uh, uh, it's, it's very fickle in that way. Uh, it assumes uh, whatever shape its container is in. Uh, uh, if I have a bottle, it looks like a bottle. If I put it in a cup, it's, it's the shape of a cup. If I put it in a bowl, it's the shape of the bowl. It, 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 it's always changing. Uh, it takes the path of least, least resistance uh, as, it, as it goes along. Uh, uh, that's the way rivers and, and, uh, and, and creeks are formed. Uh, uh, it it's always gravitates to the lowest point. It, it's easily uh, contaminated uh, and thoroughly polluted when, when something's added to it. Uh, it. It weakens and undermines everything that it touches. Uh, it's, it, it breaks down everything. Listen, uh, water is unstable. And when he's saying this about, uh, about his son, listen, he's saying you're not going to be able to excel because of your lack of moral character, because you're unstable. 
The Bible's clear that uh, that unstable people struggle in areas that that we shouldn't, that we don't need to. James one eighteen says this: a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. They're not just stable in their Christianity; they're stable in all their ways. Uh, and that uh, that a double-minded man is uh, it's just the idea of. Uh, uh, he can't seem to make up his mind. Uh, 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 he has faith. He doesn't have faith. He, he wants to serve the Lord, he, 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 but part of him does. Listen, uh, he's unstable. He, he, you can't trust him. And it says that he's unstable in all of his ways. That tells me something. If you're unstable, your marriage is going to be unstable. You'll have good days, and then you'll have bad days. Not only will your marriage be unstable, but your family will be unstable. And unstable parents, will, 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 will their kids were going to see that. There's going to be an up and down. The kids won't know what to believe and they may end up walking away from the faith altogether. An unstable man will lead to unstable decisions and choices about all of their life. An unstable man will have no conviction uh, or confidence in, there, in any area because he, he's never really sure where he stands. And, and, and his, his convictions may, may, may lead him this way and then that way, whichever way the wind blows, according to the Bible. To and fro. Man, it's frustrating. It's, it's frustrating to, to, to be in that position because, honestly, you never know where you're going to be. You don't know what's going to fix the situation. Not only is it, uh, not only is uh, uh, it frustrating, but there's 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 foolishness to instability. Second Timothy two fourteen says this: having our eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin, being unstable souls at heart, they have exercised with covetous practices and cursed children. Man, it's it's foolish to allow uh, to make ourselves vulnerable to false teachers that will teach us doctrine that, that that goes contrary to the word of God and and that. That lack of ability causes people to become prey for those that are trying to to make to monetize them and their and their souls. The Bible says they'll make merchandise of your souls. So uh, we need to be very careful and understand it's it's foolish to, to follow something so unstable. And then there's fighting of the unstable. Second Timothy three sixteen says this as also in all. Uh, uh, as in all epistles, speaking in them of these things in which uh, are some things hard to be understood, which they that are learned and unstable rest, as they do also with other scriptures under their own destruction. Uh, what that means is they're, they're, they're constantly wrestling with the truth. They're, 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 they're unable to, to, to really solidify their ideas, and, and they're always trying to turn it and twist it to fit to match their lives and their outlook. Have you ever seen somebody like that where they'll say, well, I've got Bible for that, but they've taken something completely out of context, right? They're unstable because they're trusting. In, it's, like, it's like resting. you're putting your weight on something that can't hold you. Years ago, I told the story a long time ago, uh, I, was, uh, I used to like to catch frogs in our backyard. Now I was probably 15, 16 years old, and we had this this. It used to be a place where they uh, uh, they kept milk, I think, uh, it, it, when there was, when it was a farm. It was an old farm that we were living in, um, and uh, but anyways, they uh, they it was a it filled with water, and there was some goldfish swimming around in there, big carp like things like that big, and and there was there was some fish or some uh, frogs in there, and I'd always go down and I catch the frogs just because 
We lived in the country and there was nothing else to do. <laughs> so so uh, I found the easiest way to do that is to get a big uh, a big uh, five gallon bucket because frogs are fast and you and, and could never just get my hands on them. So I would I'd stick the bucket in and I'd push the bucket in and when the bucket goes under the water, it sucks the water in and it doesn't matter how fast the frog's trying to swim, it gets sucked in with it, right? Well, one day there's in the deepest part of the the little thing there is probably about this deep. I'm reaching down and there's a stone wall around it and I'm leaning on, holding on to the stone wall. And and I get the five gallon bucket down in the water, the frog gets sucked in there and I go to pick it up. The the frog was caught, but the rock was unstable. <laughs> and and as I tried to pick it up, the weight of the of the, the five gallon bucket and myself pulled the rock in. And I fell into this nasty muck bleh, water, disgusting. It's it, it it was awful. And the rock and this big piece of concrete fell in on top of me. I got up and lost my glasses. They were gone. I, I, I couldn't see anything, and, and uh, uh, it was disgusting. Uh, what, what, what was the danger there? I was holding on to something that wasn't, wasn't stable. It, it, put, it put me in danger. It did. And then what's even worse is my mom made me go back in and find my glasses. <laughs> I spent I spent 20 minutes in uh, waist waist deep in green slime and uh, uh, I did find them, uh, but uh, <laughs> there's a need for stability in the Christian life because if we're going to rest on something that's not stable, if we're going to just be unstable in our own life, our life is going to be a mess. We're never going to be ex- we're never going to be able to excel. We're never able going to be uh, abundantly fruitful in our Christian walk. But that's God's desire. Take an honest look at your Christian life, and can you say, I'm not judging you, I don't know, can you say that you're living an abundant Christian life? Don't answer me out loud. I don't want anybody to... Are you living an abundant Christian life? Or do you waffle in areas? Do you, are, are you, uh, do you waver? Now, I, I, don't, I don't know that there's anybody in here that would say, well, I'm not sure that I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm not sure that I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, unstable un, un, uh, in, in, in your following through of what God has called us to do. I think there are some secrets, there are some, some things that the Bible teaches us, and we're going to look at those now that, that can help us to be more consistent, that can help us to be more stable uh, in, in our Christian life. The first one is this, I believe we need to be consistently exposed to the Scripture. There needs to be a consistent exposure to the Scripture. Psalm chapter 1, we already read it, but I'm going to read it again. Uh, it says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Well, by the way, that his, that him, uh, his delight, is the guy who's delighted is, uh, uh, ble- is the blessed man. Blessed is the man who walketh not, and uh, who walketh not in the way of the ungodly, nor standeth in the, in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the sorrowful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. The, the blessed man is the one who, who's, uh, who's uh, exposed to the Scripture, who's in the Scripture, who delights in the Scripture. And in those verse 3, it says, and he, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in the season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. It's absolutely impossible to be a stable Christian if we're not, if, if, if we're if we're going to ration our, our intake or our consumption of the Word of God. I'm on a diet. I'm rationing the amount of food that I put in my body for a purpose. And that's okay. Because you can overdo, sometimes, a good thing. 
Food is good and it's necessary. You can never overindulge in the Word of God. The prophet said this, I esteem it more than my necessary food. I, I love, uh, we are to love and desire the Word of God even more than our food. Did any of you miss breakfast this morning? I didn't. Miss lunch? Not me. Uh, you may have. Uh, and I, again, I'm limiting what I eat, but uh, I go, guess what? I'm going to eat dinner too. And I'm going to eat tomorrow morning, and I'm going to eat lunch tomorrow, and I'll probably have a, a protein shake, and I'm going to feed my body what it needs. Why would I then neglect my spiritual? Why would I not pick up my Bible and read it? Listen, all that's going to do is, is, is lay the groundwork for me to have a, a, a day of, of temptation, a day of struggle, and a day, a day of trial. If I'm not going to spend time in the, in the Word of God, I'm only setting myself up for failure. And it's, it amazes me how we can find, say, oh, I just got too much to do to read the Bible. Listen, find the time. Make it a priority in your life. It says in Joshua chapter 1, only be thou strong. This is God speaking to Joshua. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shalt thou make thy ways prosperous, and then shalt thou have good success. God was telling Joshua, if you want to prosper, if you want to have success, if you, if you want to, to, to do well, then don't depart from the word. We want to be prosperous. Now, I'm, again, I'm not talking about financially prosperous. God's idea of success and God's idea of prosperity is different from yours, from this world's idea of, of prosperity and success. It, it doesn't matter if you have money in, in, in a bank account somewhere. and It doesn't matter if you have a successful business or whatever's going on. What matters is if you are successfully fulfilling the, God's calling on your life and you can't do it without the Word of God and, and dwelling in the Word of God. There needs to be a constant exposure to Scripture. Secondly, there needs to be a constant examination for sin. First Thessalonians chapter 3 says this, verse 11, Now God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you, and the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God even our Father, at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. If we're going to be established, in our, we're, we're called to be established in our hearts. But notice that, that second part, it says, unblameable in holiness. Now, it's not my idea of holiness or righteousness that you're to live by. It isn't. It's God's. Our, our, our lives are to be established in holiness. So it, it, to do that, it takes a constant, consistent examination of, of the ways that I walk. Have you ever gotten lost? I have. Back before, G, now, nowadays you got a GPS. If you make a wrong turn, it, it, it does, mine doesn't do it anymore. But you say, recalculating, I used to hate that. Because you go by, you'd miss the turn, recalculating, 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 until you turned around and got the, got the right way. Uh, uh, maps, before that, maps 
didn't do that. You didn't just have a good compass and a map. You could find, find your way anywhere. But you know what was really important? Consistently following the map. If you don't follow the map, guess what happens? You end up off course. <laughs> it's important that you, that, that after you would go for a while, you would look at the map. Okay, we were here. This is where we're at now. Okay, that's where we need to go. We need to turn on this road or go this direction, whatever it is. It's important to consistently follow the map. The Bible says this, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's important that we look at, at, at where the scripture is telling us to walk. And I don't mean physically walking around uh, out this door, take it right here. I'm talking about following the word of God, living the way God would have us to live, following his path for our lives. Because the world has a whole other path that, he want, that they want us to walk. They do. They'll mock us. They'll make fun of us. Uh, uh, they'll try to distract us. They'll try to dissuade us. Uh, they'll try to discourage us. They'll do whatever they can to get you away from the way of God. They'll put the peer pressure on you and say, listen, uh, yeah, that, that's, that's hateful. That's bigoted. That's, uh, uh, you're, just, you're just hard. You're, you're, you're closed-minded. They'll put all kinds of things on top of you. Uh, but we need to be careful because all they're trying to do is get us off with the Word of God. Again, it's not what I have to say. Or any other preacher has to say, it's what the Word of God has to say. And we need to then take what the Word of God says and then examine our own hearts and align ourselves up with God's Word, not what this preacher up here has to say. There needs to be a constant examination of our sin. There needs to be a continual uh, evaluation of our soberness. First Peter chapter 5 says this, verse 8, Be sober, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the grace of, but the God of all grace, who hath called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Did you catch that? In the, in verse eight he says, "Be sober, be vigilant." That word "sober" uh, uh, doesn't just mean not intoxicated; it means serious. It's, it's important for us to be serious about our Christian life. That, that it's, that we're not messing around, that we're not playing around, that, 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 that we are committed to living for, for Christ. Listen, he was very committed when he came to this earth. Everything he did, he did with purpose. Every step that he took, everywhere that, listen, he went through Samaria, a place where, uh, where no other Jew wanted to go. And the Bible says he must needs go to Samaria. Why did he need to go to Samaria? Because there was somebody that needed to, be, that needed to hear the gospel there. I'm, I'm sure she was pretty glad, and so wasn't the rest of the people of Sychar, that he went that way. Now the Jews thought it was foolish. There was a purpose for what he did. How purposed is our life? How purposed are we? I mean, we got lots of stuff. We got things to do. Uh, uh, you have to go shopping for groceries. You have to take your kids to different appointments, and uh, you have to work a job and you go to your job in and in and out the day the day and day day in day out. Everything uh, we've got lots of things on our plates and lots of things that that, that, that that we have to be purposed to do. But in all of that, the reason we do those things is important. The reason we go to work every day is not just hopefully as a child of God to get a paycheck. God has you there for a purpose. There are people for you to, to, to share the gospel with. Uh, the, the, listen, uh, the, the moms, we got, the, uh, my, my wife isn't in here. She's, she's in the nursery. Uh, there are some moms, that, uh, there are a few moms in here with their kids, and uh, there's some hopefully watching, watching from online. Listen, uh, you may think that you just 
bathing and feeding and dressing and schooling the kids, whatever you got to do. But there's a purpose for what you're doing. You have the greatest mission field of anybody ever, your own children. It is, it is not a lack of, it is not a, a, you're not missing it. You have the most, the largest responsibility and the greatest opportunity. Well, you, you may be, well, you know, I, I don't have kids and I don't have a job. I'm retired, Brother Rich. <laughs> God still has purpose for you. God has purpose for every single one of us. And the things that we do need to be done with purpose. But that only comes about as we are serious about our Christian life. Now he says, in doing that, as we, as, as we understand that Satan is out to get us, he says, be sober, be vigilant. He says, uh, he says we're to resist him, in verse 9, uh, in the faith, knowing the same afflictions are accomplished uh, in the brethren. But notice verse 10, but the God of grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect mature or complete establish meaning the grace of god will establish you as we steadfastly resist satan god will establish and strengthen us the definition of establish means to make stable to place firmly to set fast fix to strengthen to make firm to render constant first thessalonians 5 says therefore let us not sleep as do others but let us Watch and be sober. For they that sleep in the night and they are and they that be drunken are drunken in the night, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for helmet the hope of salvation. First Peter one also says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end of the grace that is brought into you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's important for us to understand that that, that, that we need to, with purpose of heart and purpose of mind, be sober. Living our Christian life. It's not a game. Our faith is not a game. It's our everything. Lastly, we need to be conscious of the expectations of our Savior. James chapter 5, 7 and 8 says this, Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husband, husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth. And hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. It's important for us to understand God has expectations on our life. He does. He didn't save us just to let us wander around and do what we want here in this life. Remember Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10? Ye are his workmanship. Created unto good works, that he hath ordained that we should walk therein. God's done something in you to do something through you. If our faith isn't established, if we are not, if we are wandering around and to and fro, uh, blown about by every wind and of doctrine, every uh, if we are not established, if we are not firm in, in, in our faith and in, in the living out of our faith, we won't accomplish those things that God's called us to do. But remember that Christ is watching, and one day he's going to come back. If we're conscious of that, and that's always in the forefront of our mind, 
that will drive us to do what he's called us to. Because we know he's looking over. Have you, have you ever seen somebody that, that, that worked harder when there was somebody looking over their shoulder? Ever been that person? Right? <laughs> he's watching. I used to be a terrible procrastinator. I've, I've said this before. And I'd wait till my mom, mom or dad were driving up the driveway. And thankfully we had a nice long dusty driveway so that I could see him a long ways off and I could get all the chores done. Uh, sadly enough, it would have taken me 10 minutes to do this stuff anyways, but I would wait two hours and, until I saw them coming up the driveway. And, and then I would be running around as fast as I could, throwing stuff where it was supposed to go, and they'd come in and I'd be... <sighs> when the trumpet blows, there ain't going to be no running around. First John 3 says, Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath this hope in himself, in him purifieth himself, even as he is pure. If we want our lives to be established, if we want to live a stable life, we need to be in the Word of God. We need to allow the Word of God not just in the Word of God, not just, not just exposed to the Word of God, but studying the Word of God, applying the Word of God. I heard this statistic, I heard this the other day, and I, kinda, I was kind of saddened by it, but it was true. It was, it was a, a pastor, he was writing an article, and he said, how many times, if you've grown up in church, how many times do you think you've sat under the preaching of the Word of God? And I stopped to think about it. A lot. Figure figure as uh, just if we just took Sundays that's that's 52 Sundays 52 Sundays a year most of my life I'm 40 some years old I'm not going to do the math for you it's a lot and add on top of that Sunday schools Sunday morning and and Sunday evening or afternoon uh, right that says three three sermons or three three two sermons in a lesson uh, that's three so 52, there's 156 a year. I'm 44 years old. He said, so how, many did, how many of those sermons did you apply to your life? He just started twisting the knife. Okay, you can stop, Lord. That hurts. Oh, oh stop. I, I don't know how many times I've, I've gone in and I've heard the preaching of the Word of God. I'm like, Man, that was a good message. That was so good. And I'll go home that day. I'm like, Lord, this is that was whew, that was so good. I'm excited. And then I forget about it. Eh. I'm not saying it wasn't a good message. I, I even might talk about it. But there's a difference between hearing it and talking about it. And then as what what James says. Looking into the perfect law of liberty and then walking away. That's called a hearer of the word and not a doer. Now, I'm not, listen, I, hopefully you're in the word more than once a week, twice a week, three times a week. It's not just the preaching of the word of God, there's the reading of the word of God. But do we apply God's word to our life? If God, uh, do, we, do we take something that God showed us from Scripture 
and we make that application. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to do this. And then we do it. And we continue to follow through it. Because I can guarantee you, if we, if we as Christians, listen, the, the Word of God, there, there's, no, there, there are, there are, there's almost no limit of, of how many times somebody opened the Bible today across our country. There are churches, we, there's a, there are other churches, even in this town, good churches that are preaching, preaching the gospel today, and the, the word of God is preached. Uh, there, there are churches all across our state, there are churches all across our country, some places in, in down south, down in Tennessee, where Brother, Brother Troy and Anita are, there are like six churches on a block, I'm telling you, there are churches everywhere, where people, not every church is one I would go to, and don't, don't misunderstand me, but the word of God is opened how many times? And how many people walk up, how many church doors, and never stop and even think about what was preached or what they read? How many times do we sit down and read, read the Bible and we walk away and never apply the Scripture that we've learned? Because when we do that, we're not walking in His way. And we're not walking worthy of Him. We're walking the course of this world. We're walking in ignorance. I haven't walked the course of this world since I got saved. I don't need to walk in their way. I need to walk in his way. I, I don't need to, and if I do, all that does is make me unstable as a Christian. Because we want to do what's right. Man, if, if I were to ask you to raise your hands, no, I'm not going to. Uh, how many of you want to see somebody get saved this week? I can guarantee you every hand would be raised. How many of you will tell somebody about Christ this week? And then how many will actually do it? How many times have we taken tracks and walked out there with the intention that we're going to do something with these tracks this week and we left them in our car or we left them in our pocket? Unstable. We want to see God work? Apply that book to our lives and do a constant examination of what, okay, am I truly being what God wants me to be? Am I living this holy life or am I filling my life with things that distract me, and things that lead me in other directions because the, there are plenty of those out there. And then remember, Jesus is, listen, I don't know when Christ is coming back. Don't know. I, I can tell you this, I believe it's closer today than it's ever been before. And, and that's just logically true. But it could be any point in time. That being the case, what do I want Christ to find me doing when he comes back. And if I'm thinking about that, it'll help me keep on track. May God help us to be stable. May God help us to walk in his way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. I thank you for your word. God, I pray that you'd help us to apply the truths of, of your word to our lives. That it wouldn't be that we wouldn't be wavering, that we wouldn't be unstable. Lord, there wouldn't be a battle. Lord, there is a battle, we know, between our spirit and our, our flesh. And, and Paul talks about that battle. But God, I pray that you'd help us to, to walk in the spirit and not the flesh. But God, I pray that you'd help us to be filled with the, the word and, and, and live for you, Father. May there not be anything that would distract us from, from what you'd have us to do. And if there is, Lord, help us to get rid of that out of our lives. Lord, you know those weights that, that slow us down. Lord, you know those things that entice us and pull us off course. God, I pray that you'd help us to walk in your way. We ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.